It's not just good conversation, it's your voice on the weekends. Weekends with Kenny Rahmeyer on News Radio KLBJ. I'd like to say it's a pleasure to be on your show. I've listened to a number of your podcasts. You always seem to pick some nuances that are fun to hear and interesting. I so appreciate everything that this generates. Come on, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on? And good afternoon to you. Thanks a lot for being with us on the weekends here on News Radio KLBJ. I'm Kenny Rollmeyer, live and local for you this afternoon. A lot of updates on the Israeli war with Hamas for you this afternoon, beyond some of the national news that you've been hearing throughout the weekend, and what some politicians, local and otherwise, are saying about all of this at this point. We've got the latest on the U.S. House Speaker situation. Some new numbers in on the immigration front, none of them positive, and some local Austin news as well, some of the uh, F1 stuff. Uh, Prince Harry is in town. Are we supposed to be jazzed up about that this weekend? We'll, we'll try to cover it all, of course, with your phone calls and your text messages. Always welcome at 512-836-0590. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. Just before news time, the Israeli Prime Minister says Israel is now in a double battle. Fox News reports Israeli forces are striking two airports in Syria, and so the situation over there seems to continue to unravel day by day. The U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, was on one of the uh, Sunday shows today, NBC's Meet the Press. He dodged the question about whether the United States is encouraging Israel to delay any potential ground operation into Gaza until more hostages are released. New York Post reports the Biden administration is frantically trying to stall Israel's invasion of Gaza all in the hopes of furthering negotiations over those more than 200 hostages. President Biden and other U.S. officials trying to work on this in, in the back channels and has reported that America is currently one of the key negotiators here, along with Qatar, to try to get those hostages released. Meantime... Secretary of State Anthony Blinken also saying today that Hamas is preventing Americans and other foreign nationals from getting out of the Gaza Strip. Blinken also said the administration believes, quote, there's a likelihood of escalation, escalation by Iranian proxies directed against our forces. All of that expected in the coming days. Here's a little bit more of what Secretary of State Blinken had to say about all of this. Says we don't want escalation, and yeah, we're still focused on those hostages. We are taking steps to make sure that we can effectively defend our people and respond decisively if we need to. This is not what we want, not what we're looking for. 
We don't want escalation. We're hopeful that, that more released, but the bottom line is this. They need to be released, each and every one of them, now unconditionally. Fox News reports that uh, President Biden has spoken with the Israeli prime minister once again as violence uh, continues to surge all across Israel, not only in the Gaza Strip, but also now on the West Bank. The Israeli military carried out an airstrike there overnight against what it described as an underground terror compound beneath a mosque. And as I mentioned, the military is continuing to pound Gaza with airstrikes. 512-836-0590. You can jump in anytime this afternoon. Give us a call or send us a text here on KLBJ. U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said today that the Pentagon is going to send more U.S. missile and air defense systems to the Mideast due to, quote, the prospect of a significant escalation of attacks on our troops throughout the region. These missile defense systems include two of our most powerful weapons against missiles, according to a couple of different reports today. And Austin also said he's placed an additional number of U.S. forces on, quote, prepare to deploy status, end quote, to increase their readiness and ability to quickly respond as required. Here's some of what Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin had to say today. We're going to do what's necessary to make sure that our troops are, uh, are in the right, uh, good position, uh, they're, they're protected, and that we have the ability to respond. I mentioned that Israeli defense forces are now trading fire with Hezbollah on Israel's northern border with Lebanon. And that continues to concern anyone who's taken a look at this situation at this time in terms of this war escalating now on a couple of different fronts and, and maybe beyond that. A local uh, congressman that, that serves a part of the Austin area, House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Michael McCall, was on ABC's This Week program. And he talked about his concerns uh, with the moderator, Jonathan Carl, about the potential for things over there to continue to escalate potentially out of control. How concerned are you about this war expanding, about a real escalation in the Middle East? Yeah, I think escalation is the, the biggest fear. You could hear it in the secretary's voice. Uh, saying the biggest risk is this factor. Uh, that's why he's deploying, you know, the, uh, you know, the two aircraft carriers, the destroyer ships, uh, 2,000 Marines. We've had our military bases shot at by uh, proxies of Iran now um, without a response. And I, I, I actually talked to him backstage and applauded him for putting force protection in because Hamas and Hezbollah only see one thing, and that's power. If we project power, uh, and deterrence, they will back down. If we they see weakness, they will fire. And what I worry about Hezbollah, John, is that they have 100,000 rockets 
and precision-guided weapons that can overload the Iron Dome. So as I mean, we much at, more than Hamas has ever had. They're, they're the mean, A-team. It's, yeah. it's like Hamas is like Little League Baseball. And yeah. so what we worry about is, is as, um, as uh, the IDF, the Israelis, go on the ground, which is a very dangerous thing to do house by house, like we did in Iraq, uh, that that could trigger an escalation by Hezbollah. The Palestinian and President Abbas this weekend is calling for an international peace summit to end the violence. There was a conference in Cairo yesterday attended by multiple countries, some from Europe, some from the neighboring Arab states. Abbas leads the Palestinian Authority, and he says that uh, there needs to be more humanitarian aid into Gaza and, again, is... is uh, trying to get some kind of peace summit established. Seems to me there were so many countries involved, so many players in the room, but most of you have been in meetings before. What what usually happens when there's too many people in the room? Nothing gets resolved, right? Nothing happens. Just a lot of uh, a lot of rhetoric, a lot of dialogue, a lot of posturing and not much else. Uh, reports this weekend that you probably heard these Jordan and Egypt are saying we're not going to accept any Palestinian refugees coming in from Gaza. Obviously, uh, humanitarian concerns now with over 2 million Palestinians in Gaza trying to, to get out of there. But Jordan and Egypt have unequivocally stated they're not going to accept any refugees. They cite the economic burden and not wanting to bear the responsibility of taking in these refugees. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. Uh, the discussion of this, this aid package that President Biden has asked for, over $100 billion, a lot of it going to Israel, uh, the lion's share of it, going to Ukraine and then throwing a few bones elsewhere, like, you know, some money for so-called border security. And yet it appears that there are several Republican lawmakers expressing support for this multi-billion dollar aid package. In fact, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell was on one of the Sunday TV news shows today, Phase the Nation on CBS and he was talking about, yeah, there's, there's an emergency. There's a new axis of evil. And we're going to have to uh, take care of Ukraine along with Israel. Here's McConnell on CBS Today. This is an emergency. It's an emergency that we step up and deal with this axis of evil. China, Russia, Iran because it's an immediate threat to the United States. I don't believe it's about whether we give Biden credit or not. This is a question of whether it's a serious threat uh, to the United States. Uh, if, if the Russians aren't defeated, they'll go into a NATO, NATO country next. And Congressman Michael McCall was, uh, as I mentioned, on ABC's program today. He was also asked about this massive 
uh, package that the president would like for Congress uh, to pass. And he also said that he can understand uh, the president trying to, uh, to link Ukraine, Israel, all of this together and seemed in favor of, of, of taking a look at this package as a whole. Here's McCall on ABC. Favor the concept of linking the biggest threats to the free world. And that is, you know, since the fall of Afghanistan, Putin invaded, you know, uh, Ukraine. Uh, That's a threat to Europe. Chairman Xi is threatening Taiwan, the Pacific. Uh, Now we have a war in the Middle East. So it links all that, including the southwest border that I think is also a threat. When I chaired Homeland, that all these radical elements could get into the United States. So I'm in favor of linking all of this. We're, we're looking at the numbers. Uh, the House, uh, you know, we have the power of the purse, uh, and we appropriate the money. The Ukraine piece is a little deceptive because only half of that really goes to Ukraine. The other half, the 30, 30 billion of the 60, really goes to replenishing and modernizing our uh, stockpiles, our military stockpiles. Replenish what we've already sent over to Ukraine. And modernizing our weapon yeah. and our defense industrial so what do you say to your fellow? You heard uh, Congressman McCall mention China. The Department of Defense released its annual report on China's military power this week. Among other things, it warned that the People's Republic of China views its, quote, no limits, end quote, partnership with Russia as integral to advancing its development and emergence as a great power. The Pentagon officials in this report said the People's Republic of China, quote, is the only competitor to the United States with the intent and increasingly the capacity to reshape the international order. And there were reports this weekend that China has deployed six warships to the Mideast as that conflict between Israel and Hamas escalates. There's just some of the highlights of some of the developments on this unfolding situation over in Israel against Hamas. And we've got lots more, as well as some other news to cover as well on the immigration front. What's the latest with the U.S. House Speaker situation and a whole lot more. You can join us here at 512-836-0590. Kenny Rahmeyer live and local with you this afternoon on KLBJ. And thanks for being with us on this Sunday afternoon here on News Radio KLBJ. Kenny Rahmeyer with you live and local. Always good to be with you on the weekend. So where do you come down on all of this going on between Israel and Hamas? Wall Street Journal Ipsos poll out this weekend says 42% of those surveyed here in the United States say the U.S. should side with Israel. 3% said the United States should take the Palestinians' side. And then there were 52% that said the U.S. shouldn't back either Israel or the Palestinians in this conflict that's been going on forever. Some interesting articles this weekend, whether it's in the entertainment industry, college campuses, heck, local protests, almost any place around the country, even in corporate offices and among friends. The Wall Street Journal reports that Some U.S. employees are demanding their employers, their companies, to take a side on all this. Is that, do you feel that way about this? Are you looking for the company that signs your paycheck? 
to come down one way or the other on all this? Wall Street Journal reports that a lot of top executives have already made public statements in support of Israel, but that U.S. employees are beginning to pressure management to make similar statements about the Palestinians and all those people killed in the Gaza Strip that were Palestinians. Journal reports companies like Google and Amazon are pushing their executives to take a more public political stance. That To me, that seems like a whole lot of downside and not much upside for the companies to get too far out there. It's one thing to come out in support of Israel. I think those executives not taking too much of a chance given a significant number of people in the United States, politically and otherwise, historically supporting Israel at this point. But do you think, the, do you think these companies, the people that, that you buy products from, products and services, do you need to know where they stand one way or another on all of this? Another poll, ABC Ipsos poll, says that uh, there's about 42%, 41% of those polled who approve of President Biden's support of, of how he's handling all of this. And when we come down to it, I mean, I mean deterrence and the lack thereof, is, it seems to me, is, is what we're dealing with here. Deterrence, meaning the United States not viewed as, as the lone big dog in the world anymore, and so the likes of Putin and Xi in China, the mullahs in Iran, and all the other bad guys, for that matter, they're going to press on what they believe are, are their interests thinking that the United States and, and President Biden, the Biden administration's really not going to do a whole lot about it. Have we seen any evidence to the contrary on that? I mean, you take a look at President Biden's role historically, not just since he's been president, weakness, appeasement, many examples of that, disaster and how we got out of Afghanistan. Even when he was vice president, within President Obama. The phrase leading from behind comes to mind, right? Now, we know that everything based on what I read, what I remember, there's no one in the Obama administration that ever publicly used that phrase leading from behind. It, my understanding was it originated from a, a piece in the New Yorker magazine that piece quoted an Obama presidential advisor as using that phrase to characterize Obama's thinking leading up to the U.S. involvement in the war with Libya. And so you got to wonder if now President Biden, then Vice President Biden, not influenced by a lot of that same thinking. And we know that uh, the Biden administration has a lot of the Obama retreads surrounding and advising President Biden. So why should we expect 
anything different. Wall Street Journal editorial this weekend talked about the White House has nothing to show for years of shuttle diplomacy trying to broker an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. In fact, two sides seem further apart than ever. I'd say there's pretty good evidence of that at this point, right? It made me kind of wonder, and I got looking back, in fact, a, a piece written by Charles Krauthammer, very smart man, used to be a contributor on Fox News pretty regularly, he's now deceased, but he wrote a piece back in April of, of 2011. I want to just read a few quotes from that piece with regard to then President Obama's leading from behind strategy. Charles Krauthammer wrote, to be precise, leading from behind is a style, not a doctrine. Doctrines involve ideas. But since there are no discernible ones that make sense of Obama foreign policy, well, there you have it. Uh, Krauthammer went on to say, it's the fate of any assertive superpower to be envied, denounced, and blamed for everything under the sun. He said nothing has changed. Krauthammer went on to say, it's the liberal elites who revile the American colossus and devoutly wish to see it cut down to size. Leading from behind, diminishing America's global standing and assertiveness, that phrase is a reaction to the elite's view of America, not the rest of the world's. Krauthammer goes on to say other presidents have taken anti-Americanism as a given. And he said, so do most Americans because of the rightness of our cause and nobility of our intentions. Obama thinks anti-Americanism is a verdict on America's fitness for leadership. Krauthammer says, I suggest leading from behind is a verdict on Obama's fitness for leadership. He said, leading from behind is not leading, it's abdicating. I'm suggesting now President Biden doing a lot of the same thing. And we see what kind of mess the world is in. Lots more to come here on KLBJ. Kenny Rommeyer back with you on this Sunday afternoon. Thanks for being with us on the weekends here on KLBJ. I, look, not a lot of positive news here so far. I get that. It's kind of where we are right now. Biden administration has tallied the worst year in border security history. That according to the Homeland Security's final numbers for fiscal year 2023. Record numbers of illegal immigrants terrorism suspects, and fentanyl detected. Border Patrol agents detected 2.1 million illegal immigrants. They encountered 1.1 million unauthorized migrants, and that's double the rate of 2022. Border Patrol reported seizing 27,000 pounds of fentanyl, nearly double Last year's record, more than five times the rate of 2020, the last year under then-President Trump. And then 169, some people even saw that number a little bit higher today, known as uh, those on the government's terror watch list. That's more people in one year than the previous six years combined. By way of comparison, just 11 terrorism suspects nabbed at the southern border during the entire Trump years.
What is in a presidential debate if if President Biden gets that far and who knows who's going to be on the other side at this point? What what does he say to that? What does he say to those numbers? How does he even begin to defend that? It's reported this weekend Venezuelans topped Mexicans for the largest group of nationals arrested for illegally crossing the U.S. southern border as first time on record. That's that happened in the month of September. Over 218,000 encounters of people from all nationalities. And that's a 21% increase over those just caught in August. So Venezuelans, over 54,000. Mexicans, over 39,000. And now federal officials warning that members of Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah could be crossing through the southern border. That's according to an internal October 20th memo from the San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division of Customs and Border Protection. This memo warned that due to the war between Israel and Hamas, there could be encounters of terror-related individuals seeking to travel to or from the Mideast and and coming across the southern border. Now, so here was an mention of a little higher than 169. This report says 172 on the terror watch list in fiscal 2023. 18 on the FBI's terror watch list just in September. And I saw it reported this weekend that President Biden's leaning on Mexico to step up its enforcement. But not so fast, the report says Mexico is struggling with a migration crisis of its own. Historic numbers of asylum seekers coming across Mexico's southern border. As many as 6,000 migrants a day in southern Mexico. Report says Mexican security forces have pulled more than 27,000 undocumented migrants off trains just in the past month alone. And so much for the United States trying to rely on Mexico as any kind of buffer zone here, right? This report says the entire migration route is under strain in this part of the world. In Mexico, migrant shelters are jammed. Thousands of foreign nationals sleeping in the streets. Costa Rica declared a state of emergency last month. Senior officials in Panama describing the influx as a national security concern. What a mess throughout this this whole part of the world. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. I continue, like so many of you, it's not a, not a new thought, but just one I'm not sure it's even being mentioned enough. And again, it's got to be one of those that's going to be mentioned if and when President Biden gets on stage in any kind of presidential debate. It's just to theorize and just say, what if? Mr. President, looking at the millions of people that have crossed the border illegally on your watch, many on the terror watch list and otherwise. 
What do you say to the cities around the country, many of whom are the so-called sanctuary cities, right? Democrat officials running those cities, and they're saying we're bursting at the seams. We can't take it anymore. Our social safety net infrastructure can't handle it anymore, and yet more and more keep coming every day. And then that's the part that we know about, right? What about the unknown collateral damage? And what I mean by that, if some of our worst fears are realized that so many on the terror watch list that have come through, I mean, we know the ones we captured, how many on the terror watch list have made it through? The so-called gotaways, right? Thousands of those. And then some of our worst fears are realized. And some of these people do bad things to individual Americans, to our country, to cities and, and, and local town, you know, whatever, whatever the violence might be, whatever the bad stuff might be. Is old Joe going to be sitting on his porch at that point in time? He'll be out of the White House. Conceivably, maybe not. I hope it doesn't happen anytime soon. I hope it never happens. But we just got to think in these terms. So old Joe's, let's say, he's out of the White House. He's back in his uh, his beach house there in Delaware, sipping oatmeal through a straw, and, and bad stuff starts to happen around the country. And old Joe says, boy, this is really, it's really bad stuff here. Is, is the first lady, then the former first lady, Jill, his wife, going to say, don't worry, Joe. You didn't have anything to do with it. Well, yes, you did, sir. A lot of these bad people coming over on your watch. Where's the accountability for that? Right? He rides off into the sunset. And the United States is left holding the bag with the collateral damage, potential, but certainly concerns. I mean, the former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy talked about it today, about his concerns of these potential sleeper cells already in the United States. Very sad. Very unfortunate. And that's that's putting it mildly. One of many reasons why, in my opinion, this president doesn't deserve to be reelected. I wish wish he were not in office right now in these perilous times, but having the vice president in the hot seat would even be worse. I want to 836-0590 here on KLBJ. Meantime, over at Capitol Hill, what's going on there with the Republicans? Another poll out this weekend, 26% of Americans approve of the way the Republican leaders in Congress are handling their jobs. Pretty surprising it's even 26%. This, I, I'm, I'm guessing the Republicans are paying attention to the polls and maybe they think not having a speaker for three weeks and counting is not hurting the Republican brand. I would suggest they don't know the half of it yet. And, and the longer this goes on, I, I'm not so sure that they've not already tarnished the Republican brand from a leadership standpoint, such that it's going to uh, fester and remain in the minds of many Americans, voters and others for years to come. That's the risk that the Republicans continue to run as as far as I'm concerned 
when it comes to trying to find a speaker of the house. They remind me of a bunch of college sorority girls trying to pick a homecoming queen candidate. And that's, that's how ridiculous it is. So fast forward to where we are today. Noon Eastern time was the deadline for all of those interested in being the new Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives to officially file their papers, file their intentions. And as of that deadline earlier today, nine have thrown their name in the hat. Here they are. I'm guessing you haven't heard of almost all of them. House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, Republican from Minnesota. Republican Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma. Representative Byron Donalds, Republican from Florida. Representative Jack Bergman, Republican from Michigan. Representative Austin Scott, Republican from Georgia. Representative Dan Muser from Pennsylvania. Representative Gary Palmer from Alabama. And last but not least, from the great state of Texas, Congressman Pete Sessions, Republican from this State And so it's reported that these new contenders have probably been spending the weekend trying to work the phones and see if they can whip up any support for themselves. I, I saw an interview, or at least a report of an interview, with the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. By the way, why don't they pull him into duty for a year or so? Could we do worse than him? I recognize he's a little bit older. Certainly got some experience. I mean, put him in for a year, at least get him between now and the next election cycle. Maybe these phony weasels on the Republican side could figure something out as to who's the long-term choice between now and then. Meantime, we wouldn't be holding up the business of the United States with a looming of another government shutdown, Right. The aid package that the president is looking for Congress to do something with. Many pressing issues on the plate. But but so far, we're at an impasse on the Republican side in the House of Representatives. Anyway, he said in an interview, everybody should go in a room, keep ordering in pizza, whatever else, and until they come out with 217 behind somebody. I don't know. That sounds pretty optimistic. Republicans reported this weekend said they believe they could and would move quickly. <laughs> We've seen little evidence of that so far. And I wonder, too, if this anybody else is looking at it this way, as we take a look at, at the various skirmishes going on amongst those in the House, you got those on the far right. You got the moderates, right? Nobody, there seems to be no cohesion, at least not enough to get anything done. I mean, President Trump was behind, former President Trump was behind Congressman Jim Jordan, right? That didn't work. It's reported this weekend that Trump is conveying to allies he's not supporting the House Majority Whip Tom Emmer. I think that's the outgoing former House Speaker McCarthy's, I think that's his pick. Reports are that Emmer has no relationship with Trump, according to one advisor.
and that he believes this uh, this Emmer is not a fan. Congressman Chip Roy said, this is how the sausage is made. Well, it's not a good look, sir. It seems like Republicans need to come up with a consensus and fast. Now, again, historically, if you go back, it's this kind of stuff has been going on ever since the early days of the Republic. You know, the, the founders and those surrounding them at, at the time, they didn't all agree on stuff. On any given day, in any given legislative session, right? It was, it was brutal. But now the Republicans have, have kind of uh, been uh, pushing it to the brink, and, and they're looking bad. They're making the United States look bad. And, and it's time to get something done. Congressman Michael McCall was quoted on all of this earlier today on ABC as uh, we've played a couple of clips from him on the national security front, what's going on in Israel. Here's some of what uh, Congressman McCall had to say about what's going on with uh, trying to find a new U.S. Speaker of the House. Most embarrassing uh, things I've seen because if we don't have a Speaker of the House, we can't govern. And every day goes by, we're essentially shut down as a government. McCall even suggested that Democrat votes might be needed to resolve the impasse through some kind of power sharing arrangement, even though he said he would prefer otherwise. 512-836-0590 here on KLBJ. You can give us a call or send us a text. Is that where we're at? Doing some kind of power-sharing arrangement with the Democrats? As it stands now, tomorrow evening, 5.30 Austin time, the Republicans are going to convene and discuss the potential speaker candidates. And then Tuesday morning, they're going to gather for a Republican conference vote and try to have a, a floor vote later on Tuesday. That's the current schedule. Stay tuned, right? 512-836-0590. More to come here on KLBJ. Hey, thanks a lot for being with us on the weekends here on KLBJ. Before we get to some Austin news, I said at the top we would do that, and we will. I found this piece pretty interesting this weekend about the Biden campaign, the Biden campaign drawing up options for expanding its unconventional $25 million early advertising effort. This year, the president reportedly continuing to express frustration in private conversations about the state of his polling in battleground states. So is this, we're not going to see more of the president out there on the campaign trail just keep pumping a bunch of money into those TV ads, right? president's going to stay in the bunker. And then from the Hill this weekend, they want to pay a whole lot of attention to polls here. We're still a year away, but this one was conducted October 18th and 19th, the Harvard-Harris poll. Trump leading Biden and the third-party independent candidate, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., in a three-way race. Trump receiving 39%, Biden 33%, Kennedy 19%. And then 9% said they didn't know for sure or were unsure. 
Uh, you, now, in, in a two-man race, it's Trump 46%, Biden at 41%. Trump campaign's got to be encouraged by those numbers. The Biden campaign's got to be somewhat discouraged if RFK Jr. is getting 19% in a three-way race, I, that's about what Ross Perot got back against uh, Bill Clinton and, and Bush Sr., right? So interesting numbers to keep an eye on. Some Austin news. KXAN reports, hey, what do you know? Long lines to get into the Circuit of the Americas track this weekend. Roughly uh, 440,000 people last year attended. And I mentioned Prince Harry's there, so we've got a lot, a lot more this time around. Don't know. KXN reports traffic was reduced to one lane in or out of Circuit of the Americas. There's got to be some long lines there, right? Austin Bergstrom International Airport. Record number of flyers expected. This weekend, according to KXAN, airport officials expect 32,000 departing passengers yet today, 45,000 passengers tomorrow. You result plenty of time at the airports tomorrow, right? We can safely say that. Also a report and some other news. KXAN reports Austin firefighters responded to a high-rise building in downtown Austin earlier today, a person reportedly set items on fire on the 23rd floor. A person involved in the fire detained by officers uh, awaiting fire investigators. So we'll continue to follow that story here. So Austin continues to, in spite of our worthless city leadership, continues to to do pretty well in, in a lot of the polls and surveys that we see. This one talks about the number, the proportion of advanced technology workers relative to other cities with similarly sized technology workforces. So this outfit, Burning Glass, took a look at the tech skills associated with the higher market demand and the higher pay needed around the country. This is a group with cutting-edge skills related to the cloud, machine learning, artificial intelligence architecture, cybersecurity operations, right? Some pretty advanced stuff. Seattle-Tacoma came in number one, San Jose-Sunnyvale, Santa Clara in California, number two, San Francisco-Oakland, Berkeley, number three, Boston-Cambridge-Newton, Massachusetts, number four, and then Austin, Round Rock and Georgetown, number five, on what I would suggest would be a pretty enviable list to be on top in that one. And then KXN reports that uh, the sky-high rent prices here in Austin trending down, according to a new report. Austin had the largest decline of any U.S. city, prices dropping more than 14% in the last year. And then uh, a Forbes survey has ranked Austin as the fifth best city for renters in, in their study. We talked about the year-over-year percentage decrease, which is around 4% decent median household income, and, and some other factors. Austin didn't rank well 
in terms of crime. 56 out of 96 cities on that metric. So once again, Austin in the news for some, uh, some pretty good reasons when you take a look at some of these surveys overall. And then I got to ask, what's, what the heck's going on at some of the football stadiums, high school and otherwise around the country, right? You heard about this, Michigan State against Michigan yesterday said it was deeply sorry for displaying a giant image of Adolf Hitler on its video board. It was a trivia segment. A question asking where Hitler was born. Are you kidding me? They can't come up with any better questions than that. Now, they say that this whole deal was was the result of a third-party source that they had a contract with. And so they're, they're going to get rid of that third-party outfit, obviously. They obviously didn't do much vetting on that one, right? Crazy. And then in the San Francisco Bay Area, an on-field fight, high school football players, coaches, fans. It was a melee at Vallejo High School. Amazing. Garrett, executive producer, thank you so much for your help. Thanks for listening this afternoon. Back with you next weekend and the news coming up next on KLBJ.